Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. In the land of Judea, two miracle babies were born just six months apart. One of these babies was born to a barren woman named Elizabeth, who was past childbearing age anyway. And the other was born to Mary, a virgin. Now that's especially impossible, it would seem. These two miracle babies were John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. These two epic men would end up having a lifelong history together. Their lives are forever intertwined even to this day and beyond. So John the Baptist a miracle baby, just like Jesus Christ, is described by the great archangel Gabriel in Luke 1, verses 14 through 17. Many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I skipped a little part of verse 17 there because embedded in the middle of that verse is a prophecy of another type of Elijah, just as John the Baptist was. John the Baptist did go in the spirit and power of Elijah, but he did not turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, as it says there in the middle of Luke 1, verse 17. And you can learn a lot more about that by studying Malachi's message by Mr. Gerald Flurry. You can get a free copy of that at thetrumpet.com. But still, quite an awesome description here of John the Baptist, a child that people rejoiced over, who went before Jesus Christ, turning people to God. Gabriel was rather busy. Just six months later, he also delivered a message to Mary. And this is what he said to her. Luke 1, verses 30 through 33. Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. 
and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Two miracle babies, John the Baptist and Jesus Christ, forever linked. John the Baptist's entire mission was to point people to Jesus Christ who would follow after him. And even his entire life, even in prison, awaiting death, John the Baptist continued to do his job to the very fullest. He continued to point people to Jesus Christ, who, of course, then pointed people to God the Father. Notice here later in the chapter, Luke 1, verses 76 and 77. Here is John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, just after finally being allowed to speak again, you see, when Gabriel told Zacharias about how his wife Elizabeth would miraculously conceive and, and bear a child, Zacharias had a hard time believing it. Again, his wife was past childbearing age. She was barren. And yet here, Gabriel is telling him, don't worry about all that. You are going to have a son. And since you don't believe me, I'm going to strike you dumb. Zacharias was struck dumb. And he was that way for almost a year until John the Baptist was born. But finally, when God allowed him to be able to talk again, Notice what Zacharias said about his son, John the Baptist. Luke 1, verses 76 and 77. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for you shall go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Zacharias finally believed. He knew that God had a very special mission in mind for his son. What an incredible turnaround, thankfully, for Zacharias. And what an incredible, inspiring mission for his son. Called and chosen in the womb just like Jesus Christ was. And the only other person like that was the prophet Jeremiah. Three people ever chosen in the womb for a job. A job for God. John 1, verses 21 and 22. Here later on, some skeptics are asking John the Baptist who he was. John 1, verses 21 and 22. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who are you, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What say you of yourself? 
this is how it always is for God's leaders throughout the ages. They always have to face these hard questions, people questioning their credibility, questioning their office, questioning their credentials. It's interesting, though, because they ask John the Baptist, are you Elijah and are you that prophet? Obviously, the original Elijah had already come and gone long ago. But those questioning John the Baptist demonstrated an understanding of prophecy. They knew that another Elijah type in this end time would come on the scene and prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they also knew that there would be another unnamed prophet following in the legacy of the end time Elijah. John the Baptist was the first type of Elijah. But when he was asked if he was Elijah, he said no. Because they were asking about the end time Elijah, the second type of Elijah. And John the Baptist was not the end time Elijah. He was a first century type. So there are three personalities here. John the Baptist, who prepared the way for the first coming of Jesus Christ. He had a ministry baptizing people in the Jordan River in Judea. And he even baptized Jesus Christ. And then Christ became a minister and he did a work. And John the Baptist continued pointing people to Christ. But then there is an end time Elijah who prepares the way for the second coming of Christ. And then that, that prophet, the unnamed prophet, and he will continue the legacy of the end time Elijah. One thing that made John the Baptist so successful in his mission was his humility. John one verse verses 26 and 27 John answered them saying I baptize with water but there stands one among you whom you know not he it is who coming after me is preferred before me whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose John the Baptist said he wasn't even worthy to untie Christ's shoes for him. I mean, today, athletes, when they're talking trash to each other, they say, this guy is not even good enough to carry my jock strap. And John the Baptist said that in a much more respectful way, and he said it the other way around. He said it about himself. He wasn't even worthy to undo Christ's shoes. John the Baptist knew his place. He knew his role, and he really did fulfill that role. He pointed his students to Christ. Even while he was in prison, he kept on pointing people to Jesus Christ as the Savior of all mankind. But, of course, Christ did not save all mankind at his first coming. He had other jobs to do first. 
Notice here John the Baptist's response when when these people questioning him said, What say you of yourself? John 1 verse 23. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. So there you see it. John the Baptist was a type. He had a job to do. And this is quoting here Isaiah 40 and verse 3. A voice crying in the wilderness. That is exactly what John the Baptist did. He was teaching a very exciting message, getting people ready for the appearance of Jesus Christ in the region. And the end time Elijah also was a voice crying out in the wilderness, except this time more recently, it was the wilderness of spiritual confusion. And we can thoroughly prove to you who that end time Elijah was and that he has come and gone already. Here is what the late educator and theologian Herbert W. Armstrong wrote in a letter from March 19th, 1981. As John the Baptist prepared the way in the physical wilderness of the Jordan River, for the first coming of the human Jesus, both man and God, announcing the kingdom of God to be set up more than 1,900 years later, so God would use a human messenger in the spiritual wilderness of 20th century religious confusion to be a voice crying out the gospel of the kingdom of God about the spiritual Christ coming in supreme power and glory to his spiritual temple to actually establish that spiritual kingdom of God. Brethren, has that been done by this church? Mr. Armstrong asked about the worldwide church of God, God's work in the Philadelphia era of his one true church. Have we prepared the, the way for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Mr. Armstrong goes on to get more specific, not just about the church, but about himself. And he says, did God raise up a one man leadership? And then he says, has anyone else done it? Anyone else, any other man, Mr. Armstrong slowly and reluctantly admitted that he was the end time Elijah. And you can just look at the prophecies that talk about Elijah and know that this is true. You can look at the fruits that God produced through Mr. Armstrong and you can know exactly who he was in prophecy. Matthew 17 talks about two types of Elijah, and it's really important to understand the wording of this passage. Matthew 17, verse 10, starting here. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. 
So the disciples are, are curious here about the second coming. Christ has just shown them in this chapter a vision of the second coming where Christ will shine like the sun in all its strength and glory. This is not the way Christ came to earth the first time. But Peter, James, and John saw a vision of Christ's second coming, and then they asked about Christ's second coming. And they said, why do they say that Elijah must first come? In the future, before the second coming. And then Christ says here in Matthew 17, verse 11, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. That's future, future tense. Something that was yet to happen at the time Christ said this in the first century. But since that time, the end time Elijah has come and gone. And he has restored all things to God's church specifically. We know it's specifically to God's church because Christ is the one who will restore all things to the entire world. He'll restore true government and true doctrines and God's law and the right kind of religious practice to the entire world. Mr. Armstrong merely did that for God's one true church. You can see here, Acts 3, the prophecy of the coming Jesus Christ, verses 19 through 21. Repent you therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, who before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. John the Baptist is one of those prophets who foretold the restoration or the restitution of all things by Jesus Christ to this world at the second coming. Jesus Christ had such high praise for John the Baptist. He said in Matthew 11, verse 9, that John the Baptist was more than a prophet. And he continues here in verse 10, For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who shall prepare your way before you. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist. High praise. The greatest ever born of women. And the context there is the greatest prophet ever born of a woman. John the Baptist was the greatest, Jesus Christ said. And all these prophets, all through the Old Testament, all the way up to John the Baptist, and then Jesus Christ himself and his loyal disciples and the leaders of all seven church eras prophesied in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. All of these leaders, this long legacy 
of loyal leaders has foretold the time of the restitution of all things by Jesus Christ when he returns to this earth. And that's something we can really look forward to. We can know exactly where God is working today by looking at these prophecies of the end time Elijah. John the Baptist was a type of Elijah, but the end time Elijah is a different man. And Mr. Armstrong claimed it was him. Can we prove that? If we don't think it was him, can we, can we say it was anybody else? We have to have some sort of end time Elijah to restore truth to the church or else we're in big trouble. If nothing has been restored, if all the lost true doctrines are still lost, where does that leave us today? Notice Malachi 3 verse 1. This is very similar language to what it says earlier or what I've been talking about earlier about John the Baptist. Malachi 3 verse 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, says the eternal of hosts. Again, a messenger preparing the way before the arrival of Jesus Christ, getting people ready to be more willing and able to receive the truth once Christ gets here. But you can see all through this chapter of Malachi chapter 3 about how Christ at this coming will be like a refiner's fire. He will be radiantly bright and blinding and hot at his second coming. He wasn't that way at his first coming. This is a voice crying out. This is a messenger preparing the way for Christ's second coming. There are some really helpful materials that we can offer you for free for proof about these personalities in the Bible. The end time Elijah, the first Elijah type, John the Baptist, you can even learn a lot more about the original Elijah and how this legacy of these Elijahs continues to this day and how even after all three of those Elijahs have come and gone, there's still a work carrying on the same message, still preparing the way for that second coming of Christ. This is from an article titled Preparing the Way of God from the January-February 2010 Royal Vision. Mr. Ryan Malone writes, There is a strong connection between John the Baptist's work and our work today. And he quotes here, John's Gospel, The Love of God by Mr. Gerald Flurry. The original Elijah revealed the true God to Israel. John the Baptist introduced the true Christ at his first coming, continuing the Elijah work. Mr. Armstrong prepared the way for Christ's second coming, we finished the Elijah work that he did and introduced the all-powerful Christ to this deceived world. John the Baptist was honored to introduce the Word made flesh, a mind-staggering event. But it gets better. The Philadelphia Church of God is privileged to introduce the omnipotent, almighty, 
glorified Christ to this world. That's what God's work is all about today. Continuing on that Elijah legacy. This article concludes, if John the Baptist's story teaches us anything, let it teach us to better understand and appreciate the honor we in God's true church have been given. The honor of introducing the Messiah and preparing the way of God. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.